I'm going to say it. I'm not going to milk a professional wrestler. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two. One. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Well, Shelby, as we have often said, there are two approaches to preparedness. There's number one, prepping, which is buying and storing commercially available stuff. And number two, homesteading, where you provide your own homemade stuff. Today, we discuss various aspects of homesteading in an unusual way. We thumb through our favorite homesteading magazines, Backwoods Home and Self-Reliance, and comment on the articles in those various uh, publications on homesteading topics. So kick back and enjoy. And while you're kicking back and enjoying, please remember the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't sponsor superlative of the week longtime listeners will know what that is that is where we come up with a superlative for our awesome sponsors we kind of wore out the word awesome so we're going to do a variation of awesome awesome opossum you're saying isn't it awesome possum no possum begins with an o dag nabbit and so it is awesome opossum which is a phrase from the 80s updated to be uh, correct spelling so that's what we're going to do so shelby why don't you tell us about our first awesome opossum sponsor well our first awesome opossum ad sponsor is backwoods home magazine which i'm so glad we'll be talking about them a whole lot today they they're awesome opossum they are a repository of all things prepping. So like Glenn was saying, if you are not necessarily in a position where you wanna do all of your preps via purchasing them, and, it, and it's, that's getting harder and harder to do with prices and supply chain issues, and you're, and you're pivoting and moving over to doing your own thing, growing your own food, doing your own projects towards homesteading, this, is a magazine for you and I encourage you to go check them out at our website at prepping2-0.com at friends and affiliates tab you'll find them there and you get there's a coupon code there you get a few bucks off it's great reason of the week to be a Patreon if you're a Patreon as of January 1st if you were on the rolls you got a Dropbox link with all four years four years of the past episodes of this show which include the after shows and again, it was based on the Patreon rules as of January 1st. So sign up now. Don't forget. Don't try to do it in December because you'll forget if you're like me, unless you put a post-it note out and you keep it out for 11 months, which is kind of impractical. So sign up now so you will get next year all five years worth of the past episodes. Well, let's get into it. Awesome. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited to talk about this. This was an idea that I had with Glenn, gosh, a month or two ago. And as we've been talking through it today, I'm just getting more excited about it. So we wanted to talk through the topics that are in Backwoods Home Magazine so you can see why we love it. So an overview really quick. The one of the things, the one of the things, yeah. one of the things that I we're, love. We're professional communicators. We know, we know what we're doing here. That I love about this magazine, they do not spend their money on high glossy, super professional. It is not Vogue magazine, new. which no one listening to this show <laughs> subscribes to. There's not high-powered models, and and this is the photography, the things that they use in this magazine. Straight out of an iPhone. Straight, yeah. This is iPhone photography. This is actual pictures, not models, not. Talk pa- about the quality of the paper. The paper is newspaper quality. Yeah. I mean, the front cut, co- the cover itself is glossy with generally um, art on it, not a paid model, and um, and it's definitely kind of homey and folksy. But the photography photography inside is people showing you what they're doing from their own homesteads, which is great. So the the um, first issue that I have right here in front of me, and we have several that we pulled off the, of. Yeah, go ahead. We pulled off of our coffee table this morning. That's where they reside because we are subscribers. We pay for our subscription. It's not that much money, and we get a lot out of it. And so we pulled it off of our coffee table. One of the cool things about any magazine, like hard copy magazine, but especially Backwoods Home and Self-Reliance, they are sister publications yes. put out by the same people. Very similar, but very different topics, which different is great. Different topic, that's right. So one of the things about a hard copy magazine that is forgotten in today's internet world is that it comes, in this case, every two months, 
And you don't have to think, oh, gee, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone to tell me it's the first of the month, so I'm going to go check and see what the new articles are. Nobody's going to do that. You have to have it come in your mailbox in order to sit down and read it. If you're like busy Glenn and Shelby. So that is an advantage of it coming to you. You know, it seems to me that Backwoods Home and Self-Reliance Magazines, we tell you to prep and homestead and Backwoods Home tells you how to do it. So let me say that again in English. (laughs) We tell you to prep and homestead, Backwoods Home tells you how to do it. So here's a really good example. So I have basically, they come out every quarter. So I have all of the last quarters from about the last year, and Glenn has in front of him a copy of Self-Reliance. So here's one of the ones that I've really enjoyed, and I'm just going to kind of talk through it, because these are things we've talked about. Right on the cover, it says the dairy issue, cow or goat. Winter calving. It's kind of like Ford Chevy. Right, right, exactly. Coke, Pepsi. Winter calving, making yogurt, using extra milk. So um, one of the things that, that I appreciate is that it takes an, an issue, a topic, like an issue, like as though there's a... Uh, an, well, there's a big debate, cow big, versus yeah, goat. cow I mean, versus goat, right. Smackdowns and, in the street. Exactly, like seriously, summer of love kind of stuff. But what I appreciate is it tells you, okay, if you want a goat, this is what you got to think about. If you want a cow, this is what you have to think about. You and I, Glenn and yes. I, have considered having a milk cow as well as a beef cow. Mm-hmm. Not a goat. Why is the reason we've not considered a goat? Because you're unreasonable. Because goats are demonic. They are the <laughs> devil. They just look at them. They I look mean, at, I know. Just look at any Satanist like worship ceremony. It always involves a goat. I'm just saying. Well, and let's stop there because. <laughs> because it's annoying you. We're, I'm, no, we're going <laughs> to stop there and move on. Okay. So stop for a moment. Think about when you talk to people who are thinking about prepping and homesteading. They think about a, a milk cow because it produces milk, it produces food. Sure. Why not? You only need a few acres, five acres to do it. How hard could it be? How hard could it be? Well, this article yeah. puts it out Spells there. it out for Here's you. Here's one thing that you need to consider. A decent dairy cow will produce about three gallons of milk in a single milking. Wow. That's generally twice a day. Okay, awesome. You're like, great, I got a ton of milk. That means you have to- Preserve it. Do something with- yeah. Six gallons of milk a day. Most of us have jobs. Most of us have other commitments. Hmm. Think about that. And and I would offer a suggestion. This is not in the article, but it's an example of how they present a topic. And then, again, everything's a system. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? Everything's a system. um, If you're having three to six gallons of milk a day from a single cow, you might consider getting a food freeze dryer because you yes. could freeze dry all the milk and uh, you could sell it or barter it uh, later on. But anyway, it's just an example of thinking through the whole situation exactly. written by people who have thought through the whole situation because why? They have lived whatever the topic it is that they're discussing. For example, they've had a cow or if they're devil worshipers, they've had a goat. So here's some of the subtopics to the cows. A fencing. Oh. Fence, you might want to consider this first. first oh, and have, has the price of fencing gone up oh, and the availability of fencing contractors got scarce so, uh, based on a true story? First few sentences. Goats. Oh, this is goats have a reputation for getting out. They might climb on your car, eat your flowers or walk up onto your front porch. Which yes. you'd expect from a demonic yes. creature. Hay and grain. The mm-hmm. costs of that. I love how it's very, so that's the other kind of overview things. Every topic that they cover, 10 to 12 pages, not 10 to 12 paragraphs. Yeah, it's not It's not for the soundbite crowd. It's for the serious thinkers. You really want to, they help you th- think through. So then they talk about obtaining a dairy cow. Beware of things. Um, uh, Good vet care. And my voice is going in and out because I'm turning towards the magazine. Um, If you want to breed them, their disposition, milking, training training a cow to milk, pasteurizing how to milk them. And then once, oh, and then our mistakes, things that whoever wrote the article. See, I love it when, because that's kind of like our show. We say, hey, we goofed up and here's what we did wrong. So don't, don't be like Glenn and Shelby. Right. And so, and then what's really cool after that, once they've gone through their big topic of the magazine, then you get the recipes. Another four or five pages. For dairy stuff. How do you use six gallons a day? Exactly. How to make yogurt. Using your yogurt. How to make ricotta cheese, which is super easy. So cool. Go, yeah. One one point they also make in this article 
is something that a lot of people forget when they have that first idea of let's get a cow because it would be cool to have a cow. You'll never go on vacation again if you have a dairy right. cow unless you have somebody lined up who can milk the cow for you. And I know this because when I was growing up, we had a milk cow uh, and I got to hand milk it. And when I was in the third grade, I could bend bottle caps with my hands because my hand muscles were so strong because of all of that. That's all great. Oh, an eight-year-old has strong hand muscles. Is there any downside? Yes, never ever being able to leave the house because cows, if you don't milk them, it's terribly painful. It's it's cruelty to the animal, and they can blow up their udders for real. That's yeah, not they a can. Well, and they thing. then they can start getting infections and things like that. It talks about this in this article. So the other thing that's in this same issue again, it's the January, February, March of 2023. It's the current issue. A whole um, topic, a whole coverage of thriving during a recession. Huh. Seems that seems really effective. So you see, you're going to see things like recession proof your pantry. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm jumping through here. Uh, how? Ah, jumping. I'm jumping nuts and bolts. How nuts and bolts? Literally nuts and bolts. What's the difference? What do you use them for? We all, know, many of us know the difference, but also ones to keep, ones not, ones to consider. And just think about how maddening it would be to have some machine or something that you need to fix, and you don't have a bolt or a nut that costs honestly three cents because you didn't stock the most common ones, and the most common ones were laid out in this article. Just think about it. This mm -hmm. is really, I'm going to say, practical. I'm going to say that, that uh, Backwoods Home and Self-Reliance is prepping 3.0. It is kind of your graduate level of prepping and homesteading. So here's the, this, the article that I, I would not have expected. Again, we're trying to cut this, they're covering all, everything milking. Yeah. Then there's that dairy isn't just for cows. It's how to harvest, this grosses Glenn out. How to harvest milk from other animals. Like reindeer? Like reindeer. They actually talk about, we're not going to talk. <laughs> so if you live in Florida, get yourself a herd exactly. of reindeer and be a good I prepper. have a joke about that okay. in just a moment about Florida. So they have this whole article on domesticating wild animals. Like that's how you get things like buffalo cheese and you get these, these really niche foods that I don't really care about. What do you think? Can I just say, as much as I love Backwoods Home Magazine. I think that was an article. An article on domesticating wild buffalo and making buffalo cheese is a little over the top. That's got like crazy old man with a three foot long beard kind of written all over it. That's, that's kind of wacky. I'm going to say now, most of the stuff in here, like nuts and bolts are, is extremely practical, but we're going to have some fun with yeah. this. And, and I wasn't kidding about, you know, domesticating reindeer. If you live in uh, Greenland, and uh, making uh, reindeer cheese. I bet that would be popular. Oh, hey, kids, let's have some reindeer cheese. Oh, my gosh, you're so mean. You make... But you find out cool fat. I'm going to bring it's it. It's interesting. It's interesting. Cows account for, I just found this out from this article, account for 81% of the world's dairy production, which makes me. It ought to be 100%, <laughs> but go ahead. And then reindeer milk, domesticated reindeer for people who live, I don't know, in the Arctic oh Circle. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. Richest of all the world's dairy. Didn't know that, did you? Did you know this, too? They have a whole article on, <laughs> on snow dogs. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Did you know there's a dog setting organization in St. Augustine, Florida? I got to say that's <laughs> a little weird. That, that maybe they, they're like swamp dogs, but not like snow dogs. Give them a call. Yeah. The contact information. <laughs> yeah, just call up and they'll be like, listen, we're tired of people crank calling us. See, and this is interesting stuff. I mean, this is really cool coffee table right? stuff. I mean, even if we are not telling everybody out there to domesticate wild buffalo, parentheses, which will kill you, in parentheses, um, and make cheese out of uh, an incredibly huge, violent, strong animal. I mean, you might as well try making cheese uh, from a professional wrestler while you're at it. I mean, it's as, it's as terrible not, of an I'm idea. Not, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to milk a professional wrestler. There's our quote <laughs> of the day. Let me, I'm going to switch gears here. And we can, this is another thing that I appreciate as a whole of Backwoods Home Magazine. They have a home, uh, a homeschooling, they 
they have a preference for homeschooling. So they have That is so awesome. It's so awesome. So right here on in in this art in this um publication, homeschooling is a prepper strategy. When the when stuff hits the fan, when school shut down, I don't know, like they did two years ago, it's a great plan. I talk about this in my books. I address this in my books when stuff hit the fan in in my books. You have to pivot. How do you get your kids educated? And I did that online school option before. Online school was like the thing. So what to teach? And then how to use these projects in in a homeschooling environment. Exactly. Isn't See, that great? it's it's they get the whole thing about stuff is a system. Mm-hmm. And and they they systematize it and they they show you how things are linked. I think this would be a good time, Shelby, for you to describe the uh the awesome opossum sponsors that we have oh absolutely let's talk about them because they're the ones that keep the lights on for us so you can find all of our sponsors at our website prepping2-0.com under the friends and affiliates page there you will find forever forward apparel uh, pro one water filters we love ours oh my goodness gracious jared savick who is uh, a great montana realtor you can find him at redstate-realtors.com Katie Armour stands for Come and Take It. Um, They specialize in body armor for you and I, not just the military. Numana Foods, great way to stock up your cabinets and your pantry with uh, bulk freeze-dried food. Minuteman Coffee, of course, I'm high on Mm -hmm. them right now. You got that straight. Mm -hmm. And then um, Gibbs Arms has some great, uh, we had them on recently on our show and some of the specialty things they do for ARs. And that's G-I-B-B. Z arms, G-I-B-B-Z arms. So let's get back into um, the articles and things of interest in this particular issue. We're just focusing on one uh, in this segment. And we'll jump around maybe. Yeah, we'll There's jump be, around. That's why we brought like four copies. Mm-hmm. So another cool use, use. Another cool feature is that there's recipes mm-hmm. in every, and these aren't just recipes, you know, how to make craft macaroni and cheese? How, well, that or that. If you if you see all the ones online, they're like a thousand uses for Miracle Whip. Oh my goodness gracious! These are your grandma's recipes, and mm-hmm. the feature this month is using excess milk. We were talking about that at the beginning. If you have a milking animal, you're gonna have like a, a reindeer. Milk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cheesy um, cheesy vegetable soup. Hot milk cake, oh my gosh, lemon, mandarin, rice pudding, uh, berry sauce, buttermilk, venison. Ooh. Uh, buttermilk, how to make your own buttermilk. Some really great, and the and again, the pictures are, you know, I'm looking at a floral tablecloth here with um, like crystal from, like a, yeah. The pictures remind me of, of a county fair where it's yeah. like the best prize for buffalo buttermilk. Just kidding. That doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. It does somewhere apparently. But and then um, another cool feature, and we'll uh, and we'll just again, we're just talking through the things we like. Yeah. There's a whole column of Ask Jackie. Jackie yeah. Clay Atkinson is a featured, and she does it all. So people get to ask her questions like putting lids on canning jars, feeding sheep cooked vegetables, uh, warty skin on squash, canning meat and sauces. These warty are- skin. Nobody wants that, no. especially on squash, because squash like goats is demonic squash tastes awful therefore it is the vegetable of the devil um canning nuts can you can pecans and she talks about because she's done it all using ham bones using a meat grinder new garden space so many good questions um the other thing that they continue in this this particular issue is winter care and nutrition for that's we're going to pivot here onto beef cattle. Mm-hmm. That is something we've considered. There's too. a difference between milk cows and beef cattle. There is. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Well, you're going to uh, one goes in a freezer and one goes in a mug. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the beef, the cow doesn't. You're going to keep your cow and make it make you food. But yes, beef, you're destroying the simplicity I of am. my observation. So I incur- so we've considered that we have five acres that mm-hmm. we can finish off a beef cow with. What mm-hmm. does that mean? We buy a steer that's um, a year or two old, and then we let it finish off on our property by chewing everything up and eating it. And we all fa- the excess grass. We have like two foot tall grass. Yep. Um, in some places, and and our property is perfect. It's got a creek through it. It's it'd be easy for any domesticated animal, like a reindeer, for example, <laughs> to drink out of the creek. So finishing off and then putting it in your freezer. So 
But you tend to finish off, and this is just my knowledge, and I'm just letting you know where I got some of my knowledge from. When you get a, a, a cow to finish off, you tend to get them in the spring or summer, and then you in, through the winter, you tend to butcher them at about October, November. So you're you're basically you're mowing your grass with mm-hmm. your cow, and then you're and then you're fattening it up right before. You're going to put it in the freezer. So this talks about how to make sure that they have the nutritional needs that they need. Feeders, grain, water, keeping good health. And here's another one. <clears throat> another another topic. Again, if we're going to cover cows, we're going to cover it all. We're going to, and reindeer. Should I buy a bull? Yeah. That's this, a- this could be information that would be really helpful to avoid making a financial and... Um, safety. Safety. Uh, <laughs> terrible decision. So or great decision, depending. Great. Uh, so points to consider in beef cattle breeding. The only reason why you need a bull, ladies and gentlemen, is if you're going to breed it. And m- might I just say, much like buffalo cheese, I got to I got to tell you that breeding cattle is a little bit outside the realm of uh, right. virtually every listener. That's something where you need to have facilities. You need to have capital. It is an extremely specialized business. It would be like saying. I like art. I'm going to open an art gallery, and, and I'm, I'm going to make au- money. I'm going to do million dollar auctions every month. Exactly. <laughs> you you need co- you need knowledge. You right. need capital. You need facilities. You need a lot of stuff. It's not as easy as. And this bugs me about surface level prepper homesteaders, the people that that are prepping point fivers. Right? They they say it would be cool to be able to produce all my own beef, including breeding cows. So let's go ahead and do it. It's, it's just, like, Let's go get a bull buddy. and just go, yeah. There's like 17 steps in between there and they don't think of it as a system. It's like, um, I want beef on my property, add to cart. It's not that easy. <laughs> so what's, what's cool about this, read up on it if that's something, because there are people I think out there that might consider it, especially when you look at the food shortage, but what's nice about articles like this, and we have a moment or two before we have to jump into the break, as you can see, as we've talked through, I mean, we started out talking about cows and goats, but are you gonna, milk. We're going to get milk. Don't forget reindeer. Reindeer. Or oh. buffalo. We've talked about milk. We've talked about the couple of uses for cows. Now we're getting into breeding them and, create, and, and keeping a st- sustainable meat source and potentially. So we've gone from the very simple to the pretty complex that's what I love about these these magazines is you can start out with some of these very simple and see it to the end and see the pitfalls and the successes along the way. That's amazing. And see what is involved if you really want to take yes. it all the way. If you are really thinking about, um, you know, breeding bulls, if, you, if that's really an idea that you have, and I'm suggesting that it's an idea you ought not to have, but if you really have that idea... Check it out. Do your due diligence. Absolutely. That is exactly, I just hit it. That's exactly what Backwoods Home is. It helps you with that due diligence. Due yes. diligence. Figuring out what all is involved and looking at some pitfalls. Plus, in the process of all of this, it's interesting. Even if you're not going to breed bulls, you can at least learn something about yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, folks, we're going to talk, obviously, much more about this on the other side of the break. Glenn's going to talk about Backwoods Home Magazine and firearms. Hmm. Ooh, that hmm. could be interesting. Don't go away. We have so much more to talk about. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. 
EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it. Make solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Shelby Gallagher here. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started, believe it or not, with the commentary on the Awesome Opossum articles in Backwoods Home and Self-Reliance magazines. Stick around for the after show. If you're a Patreon supporter, to hear more, including the hilarity of the lightning round of random questions, Glenn asks me, I'm a little afraid today. Mm -hmm. You ought to be. I know. Okay. So here's the situation. You've been talking about moving to a red state and you're looking at Idaho. Idaho's a perfectly good red state. You should seriously consider it. What do you do? Are you gonna make a big life change with all kinds of details and ramifications with very little knowledge about Idaho? No, you're not because you, as a Prepping 2.0 listener, have a magic resource that regular people don't have. And that is Paul Burke. He's your prepper, Idaho relocation realtor. He was a guest on our show, episode 207, which was back in October of 2022. Great show, interesting guy. He is with firstresponserealty.com, which is powered by Fathom Realty. I'll give you that website again, firstresponserealty.com. It is time for archive episode of the week. This is a fitting archive episode of the week. It fits into the theory that we have or the theme that we have, which is there's prepping and there's homesteading. The two overlap significantly, but they are kind of different. And we did an entire episode on this because what? We're prepping 2.0. With a really awesome homesteader. That's right, Derek Smiley. And it's called Homesteading and Prepping, Similarities and Differences. It aired originally on March 13th, 
2019. So that's episode 21. We tell you about archived episodes because we have so many new listeners on every new show. We want new folks to know that even though we're in the 200s on episode numbers right now, that there's all kinds of goldenness from the past. So I would like to describe one of my favorite columns in Backwoods Home Magazine. Every month or, that, every epi- or every quarter, excuse yeah, me. Exactly. And that is, uh, it's on firearms by Masad Ayub. Masad Ayub is the king of self-defense stuff. I have taken a 40-hour uh, handgun self-defense course for Masad Ayub. I took it, I went to Arkansas. It was a great trip, had a lot of fun. He is amazing. He is the king. He has a deal. Uh, if you take his course and you pass it, he will testify as an expert witness if you are involved in a self-defense civil or criminal case. He'll testify for you for free. Getting into a Masada Ayub class is kind of hard to do nowadays. He's in high demand. Anyway, he's the guy. He knows his stuff. And here is an article he did in uh, a recent ep- uh, yeah, it's the episode. Cur- it's the current. It's the current. Right. January, February, March of 2023. Issue 191 for those keeping score at yes. home. Yes. Um, <laughs> And tell me if this isn't something that is, number one, of interest, number two, informational, if you're not, you know, a big firearms person. And that is the difference between so-called military guns and civilian guns. And he does a really nice um, topical, you know, introduction to the various common military guns, um, AR-15s. Of course, military version is an M4, um, AK-47s military version is AK-47 and AK-74s. And he goes through and he talks about them and he comes to the conclusion quite wisely and accurately because he's Masada Ayub. I mean, he doesn't make mistakes on guns um, that military guns and civilian guns are the same thing except for the full auto feature on some military weapons. Um, and I think it was Masad Ayub who said this, but if it isn't Masad Ayub, it's Glenn Tate, two equally qualified firearms experts, I'd like to add. Equally qualified. Equally qualified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That full auto is dumb. It is a waste of ammunition. The, the recoil, the, the muzzle rise is so significant that they become anti-aircraft guns even if you don't want them to be, because you end up after a burst, you're shooting yards above your target up into the air. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that, you know, it's not all, you know, buffalo cheese, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's not buffalo cheese. You're getting some very poignant and on-point firearms training in every publication because it's an ongoing uh, column that he has an yeah. on, ongoing space that he has in every single publication. And it's all prepper and homestead focused. It's not tricked out race guns that are right. $3,000 1911s that, you know, cause I mean, who cares about that? I mean, that's not, you know, I just, I just think it's so interesting that here's this kind of homey folksy cutesy, maybe, you know, magazine that you might see. Kind of a grandmotherly. Grandmotherly. And then you open it up and then you've got. It's like AK-74s will kill a man. <laughs> so so let's go on to another topic that I wanted to kind of flesh out here because it's kind of the time of the year. So from the July, August, September 2022 publication. What's the issue number? 189. Okay. So the big article focus that. That particular one, and this is one I've read through quite a bit, The Return of Victory Gardens. Victory Gardens. What are Victory Gardens, Glenn? They are small gardens that were encouraged and some would say almost required. required. It was social shaming if you didn't have a Victory Garden in World War II. And they were small gardens on individual plots of land. Everyone was encouraged to have one. Suburban, rural, doesn't matter. It's kind of hard in the city. And it wasn't just people's private uh, residences and and property that had public them. gardens, public gardens, the, the parks had gardens. The reason was pretty obvious. You got World War Two. You got to feed a lot of people. Number one, you got to feed a lot of people, you know, military personnel. Um, and number two, a lot of and this is why I think they really did Victory Gardens. A lot of the military personnel who were called up and went off to war were farmers. And so you've got a big gap in your food production because a lot of your farmers 
are overseas in the military. So a nation has to eat. By the way, the, the Victory Gardens allowed the United States to stockpile food that then they could use in post-war Europe and post-war Japan to feed the conquered countries, which was kind of a class act. It's kind of what we do in America. We're kind of classy. We don't let conquered people starve to death. It's not our thing. So they were massively successful. They they provided a, not just, they didn't just take, they didn't just put a dent in the food supply. It was a major big deal. And, and you see sometimes on Facebook, all these old World War II era advertisements, posters, yeah. posters and things like that, that said basically, hey, if you support the war effort, you're gonna have a victory garden. You're gonna have chickens. Yeah, 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 have a chicken and all of that other stuff. So there's an entire article about the idea of Victory Gardens. One of the cool things about the Victory Garden concept in my mind is it's so reassuring because it lets you know that a smallish garden is actually going to make a difference in the in, in your food supply. And that's one of the things that's hard for me because I'm, I'm more of the prepping mindset and less of the homesteading mindset. I think Shelby has the good balance between both of them. So she's she's a better prepper than I am. Oh, big deal. I'm a better homesteader than you are. Yes, you are. Because I dig chicken eggs out from underneath the chicken coop yesterday. Yeah. And then we found out that um, hard boiling them is great for our dogs. So we have all these poopy, yucky, skanky eggs that skanky the dogs eggs are going to eat. Anyway. That the dogs are going to eat. So back enough of uh, recipes from the Tate, Shell, uh, Tate Gallagher household. <laughs> follow follow us for more recipes. <laughs> so I I wanted to continue the thought on Victory Gardens. Please do. So that's yes, what people are listening it's exactly. For. That's what a Victory Garden is. I knew that they were vegetable, fruit, and herb gardens. We weren't growing dahlias. We're not growing roses. We're growing food here. And they talk about the in this publication. They talk about the history. Um, did you know? That during World War II, I'm pulling this right out of here, about one-third to one-half of America's fruits and vegetables came from Victory Gardens. That is stunning. I knew it was high. I had no idea yep. it was that high. Yep. Talks about how the government was encouraging it. I would say, you tell me, the reason why this article is so poignant is like, it feels like we're kind of in the same boat as we have the sort of supply chains and supply chain issues and shortages that we're talking about. Go ahead. The big difference is now the government not only does not encourage people to be self-reliant, the government goes out of its way to make people dependent. However, the the basic reality of Victory Gardens and how much food they can produce is undeniable. It's just that the government isn't exactly helping. Right. It, I know you didn't think right. they were. No, they're I'm not. Just, oh, gosh, no, that's the big difference. Government isn't saying that right now. If anything, they're doing things to make us more dependent upon them. Very yeah. different government we live with these days. So it's so kind of the subheadings in this article is um, right now we're in a perfect storm. Um, things that you should grow in a victory garden. And this is key because yeah. don't grow, you know, squash, which is disgusting. Well, grow squash. Grow what you like. But and that would not right. be squash. Um, but are you going to eat dahlias? Can you grow no. pizzas? No. Because I love pizza. Right. Can't. You can't have pizza regardless. So things to consider what to grow, seed shortages, mm. and how to combat that. Again, thinking of this as a system and thinking of all the parts of the system, like seed availability and getting the right kinds of seeds, heirloom seeds, and all of these other things. It's taking a topic that on its surface looks like a no-brainer yeah. and then tells you, well, okay, it's not a no-brainer it's, it's a brainer and here are the 12 things to consider each one of these 12 things are doable just thought you'd want to know what all is involved so watch this so also talking about fertilizer shortages let me read you this huh, little that'll never it, happen that'll, what's happening since commercial agriculture is dependent on commercial fertilizer non-commercial agriculture may become necessary to bridge the gap in other words it's time to bring back victory gardens yeah isn't that interesting so and this is what i think is just a good way to wrap up i just think this is so laying this out so poignantly you almost can't not be thinking about doing a victory garden. So I find the, the author says, I find I found the issue of fertilizer shortages, wartime disruptions, and other international disturbances to the food supply so alarming. Food is a universal requirement and the threat of food shortage is not something to dismiss, nor is this the time for normalcy bias. Huh, sounds like backwoods home uh, uh, authors listen to this show. Maybe they do. And maybe read your books. Maybe. Yeah. 
Because isn't that wasn't that a term that you came up with or somebody I else? I didn't come up with it. I popularized I, it. I think that's fair. Okay, so normalcy bias claiming it can happen here. It can't happen to me. Final sense, final thoughts here. Instead, this is the time to pump your fist in the air, take personal responsibility, and do something useful and productive towards food security. Plant a victory garden. I love that this magazine is like this show, very motivational. Yes. We don't just tell you how to do stuff. We tell you why you should do it, and we get you going. Because you know what? Like planting a garden, it's it's not easy. But as that quote that I say at the beginning of the show says, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining exactly. why you didn't do it. So to, to go on, then they talk about how to recession-proof your pantry. And then, just like we talked about look, when we looked at the other issue, balancing homeschooling and homesteading. Huh. So it's not just like, here's what homeschooling is. You might consider doing it. No. It's about how to balance it. And I think they weave in in that article the idea that homesteading activities, chores, if you will, or or projects can be part of homeschool learning. Absolutely. And and true and homes and homeschoolers know this. I get it. But I do appreciate that in every episode there is a focus on homeschooling. Every edition, I believe. Every edition. I, yeah, I never you know. say that right. I never I say that right. So um kind of another fun little article. And um this is good. Ten rabbit raising mistakes and how to avoid them. And in Glenn's world, one mistake to avoid would be having <laughs> rabbits to begin with. We had rabbits for a while, and then we moved, and we had to send them off to another another home. But um, we were we were, d- despite your protestations, yeah, looking at doing that. So, and I, yeah, so good article on that because rabbits rabbits while they're easy, they're not just easy. Hey, let's make some rabbits and go for it. No, I think we had a Patreon mention when we did Patreon questions recently. They had rabbits and they didn't reproduce, so they ate them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Here, here's another fun one. Okay. Speaking of eggs and dog treats. Rabbits lay eggs? Bake your own dog treats. Huh. Here's well, let me step back too, because you said something earlier that we should probably qualify. You said that we found out we knew this. You can feed hard boiled eggs to dogs. I knew that. You can well, do yeah, that. Well, yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. But that it's good for them. This, and I know I knew that it was good for them. This is what I didn't know it was good for. We have two dogs that shed. The useless animals of the Tate Gallagher yes, household, they have their which own has Facebook. got their own Facebook page. They and do. they are useless. They're fun. They're nice. They give us, they lick our feet, which is gross, but. They don't lick mine. They know. They produce. Glenn is angry when you lick his feet. They produce an insane amount of hair. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's like empty out the vacuum cleaner and you're like, there's no way in the past two weeks that two mammals, other than, say, a buffalo, could produce (laughs) this amount of hair. Right. So, And you can, like, vacuum a small spot in the living room and you just... It looks like the carpet's totally different color. Yeah. Well, that... And then you empty the the filter out of the... And, like, that came out of a 12 by 12 foot square. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, feeding dogs hard-boiled eggs helps them with the shedding. So you those guys are yeah, those dogs are gonna start getting some hard boiled eggs. That's completely different than what we were talking about. But we're talking about the article about making your own dog treats. That's kind of cool because you know what? We've we've experienced this in our own lives with the uh, supply disruptions. There was a point a couple years ago in Mm -hmm. which dog food was hard to come by. I was having a I was actually getting worried. And I and I know that yes, you can feed dogs but the, eggs and but yeah but if it's if it, I also want to make sure that it's nutritionally balanced. So well, and also with dogs, you can't just switch up their diet. No, you know they're they're not like people where you can go from Taco Bell one day to McDonald's the yeah. next. You can really uh, yeah, and you can create messes that way too. Yeah. So here's another cool thing, and again, you're seeing a theme through here is the return of Victory Gardens. They're talking about, uh, you know, they've mentioned the World War Two time. So guess what? Now we have a whole nother article. Flipping pages, Grandma's thrifty wartime recipes. Huh? Yeah, how to make these recipes? Like how to make popcorn cereal? It actually looks really good. It's oh, got it cinnamon does. on it. Um, it's let's pronounced see. cinnamon. Lentil loaf, so kind of like meatloaf, but with legumes. Hard pass on that. <laughs> Potato bologna and egg baskets. They they look like these little egg bites kind of things that I make. Sounds delicious. It does. What is, okay, I'm pointing to a receptacle to... So listeners, you'll love this picture. (laughs) Do you know what that little receptacle is, Mr. Tate? Can you see? Um, 
This is funny. Oh, it is. Oh, it's, he can't uh, it's say the, it. Uh, oh, shoot. It's a little crock that you can put a single serving in. And he always messes this word up. Which a Potemkin? So, no, it's a ramekin. Ramekin. That's what it is. <laughs> so welcome, everyone. You just got a glimpse of our <laughs> what we talk about in our kitchen. What is this, Glenn? I don't know. It's a Potemkin. No, it's a ramekin. It's a Potemkin. <laughs> Then we have a history article on the man who won World War II, the G Wiz page. I haven't huh. read it yet because I was too busy reading about how to make easy jam, caramel sauce. These are the going back to grandma's easy, cheap onion pan drippings gravy. <gasps> Ooh, some really good, just wartime thrifty recipes. That is kind of awesome. Here's the other cool thing. And this is one of the things that makes me really miss where we came from. In living in Washington State and, and me also living in Oregon, what grows wildly everywhere and is considered a noxious weed? Marijuana. True, but no. But that that's a controlled industry. Oh, so right. Okay. We're talking about actual actual weeds. Oh, we're that, talking about real things, mm-hmm, not made that up produce things. really good food, actually. Um uh, we, pine we, cones? We eradicated them off of the property we lived on. Um uh, blackberries. Yes. Yes, blackberries. You're playing with fire because they they grow everywhere and they they bore under the ground and they pop up six yep. six feet later. So I don't mean, plant them. Do not plant them. Yeah, you got to control them though. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little plus minus on. I'm not going to plant them. I never. The only time I ever planted them was um, domesticated ones that were thornless. That's the other thing. They have nasty thorns. But if you live in a part of the country that have blackberries, amazing. Amazing nutritional value there. Um, amazing recipes. So Delicious, too. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, when you buy them in the store and you see, like, a oh, little half a ramekin full for nine bucks. Half a like, Potemkin, did you mean? I can put on a body glove and go pick them and make a, <laughs> make a lot of money. Yeah. Shelby in a body glove. So here's the, you can see the theme again, crust crisis, how to make pie crust and make pies. Can I just say, I've tried to make pie crust before and it was indeed a crisis. It was awful. It is so hard to do. It's, it's kind of like the brain surgery of cooking. It's not as easy as it it looks. That's why grandmas were good at it because they learned how to do it. And and those of us our age and younger, we missed that uh, lesson because these are some of those skills that have been lost that you can learn. In this publication, next article, Depression depression Era Pies. Ooh. Vinegar Pie. My grandmother used to make vinegar, vinegar pie. pie. I'm going to say that that is not a tempting name no. for a dish. Super good, though. Very buttery. Okay, but is it vinegary? It's got vinegar in it. But every, did you know this? Most good pie crusts have a touch of vinegar in them. A touch, but certainly, I mean. It's not. Vinegar pie. It's like the English. The way they name their stuff. Mm-hmm. Kidney pie. Does not sound appealing. If you, I'm looking at the picture. It kind of looks like a pecan pie. Well, then that's delicious. It's got one and a half tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in the entire pie. Please, nope. please, Patreons, do not send us comments about <laughs> uh, pecan versus pecan. I know it's like whether chili should have beans or not. It's like this huge dividing line in America. And, and yes, oatmeal pie. Now that sounds good. Sour I like oatmeal. Cr- I yes. like pie. Sour cream raisin pie. That sounds. Uh, yeah. And then again, the the um, that sounds like you're trying too hard to get rid no, of your six well, gallons that, of milk and you're, a day. And you're trying to be frugal. And then there's we have our ask. There's Jackie. frugal, and then there's making gross food. Right. They, they, then we have our ask Jackie column. Okay, he's <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Here's a fun article for you. Okay. This is actually pretty hilarious to read. So, the good, the bad, and the ugly of keeping a buck. When I say buck, I'm talking about a male intact goat. You mean a demonic creature. Yes, I do. So, <laughs> and this is a funny Admit article. Admit it. Look at that picture. That looks yeah. like a demon oh, yeah. creature. This, lo- this, yeah. could, this right here should probably be. Looks like something oh, they'd be worshiping gracious. in public schools. That's so how bad so, it is. The, whoever wrote this was um, awesome in terms of talking about, you know, why would you do that? People tell you that bucks are stinky, they're destructive, and they're dangerous. And they are. They're and he, all three of those and things. And he uses all three headlines as a subheading saying, true, true, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really an article about why not to right. have a male well, goat. Well, and if you're going to, basically, if you're going to have a goat, goats, and I would say even female goats, you need to be prepared. They get out of everything they use their horns and some of the females do have horns to leverage and pry things open they eat everything I've met some females that have horns I know so this is um this is I just love these every time we get them I sit down and um have a good 
good just washing over and it gives it's me, relaxing it's relaxing it? and it gives me some good ideas for what i want to do down the road and then again closing out with another homeschooling the question of socialization yeah get your if you're gonna do it and by the way let's yeah. talk about socialization and homeschooling i used to think i i was you know part of the masses that thought that homeschoolers were all going to be you know complete introverts and not be able to talk to people and all that other stuff. A hundred percent wrong. It's all anecdotal, but I can tell you that the, the younger people that I've run into who I know were homeschooled are some of the most socially adapted, outgoing and well-rounded learners, successful people. They're like mini adults. Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of kids, and it's not as much in red States. I'll say in blue state public schools, they can they can tell you all about why capitalism is evil and why and tell you how many Kardashians there are, mm-hmm. but they can't tell you um, what's nine times nine. Exactly, right? exactly. So yeah, huge proponent of homeschooling. So anyway. we so really good article again as we wrap up here. We have a couple more minutes before we go into the after show where we're going to jump into. If you don't mind me interrupting, yeah, go for it. we're going to jump into the sister publication of Home uh, Backwoods Home, which is called Self Reliance which is also cool. You should subscribe. Oh my gosh, yeah. So homesteading and the bird flu. This is really poignant right now because we all heard all the inklings of the bird flu last summer and fall. And now what do we have going on right now? We have a major egg shortage. We have a major chicken shortage. And so it's great because they talk about the bird flu. What is it? How to protect your flock? How to keep your eggs going? And all those super practical things you need to do to keep your chickens from getting it um, and and keep government out of your own personal little spot that ha- where this is a problem. So it's really interesting. These are all things that are, what I appreciated, all these things that we've seen in the headlines that are a concern to us, very practical. How do you, how do you use prepping and homesteading and address it in your own homestead? It's not all theoretical. It's no. not, wouldn't it be cool to make your own buffalo cheese? I can't get off that topic, by the way. I know. Yeah. Uh, The listeners have picked up on that. I know. It it might be be mentioned in others as well. So, yeah. So I encourage people, if you are new, whether you're new to prepping, new to homesteading, or you're like us where we've been doing it for a while, there's something for everyone here. It's not that expensive of a publication to subscribe to. and And we totally recommend it, especially I think this is a good time of year to think about it because this is the time of year where we do need to start putting seeds. It's planning time. It's planning. Not planting, for, but planning. Well, both. Planning to plant for the summer, getting gardens going, getting animals going, getting our homesteading and taking advantage of the uh, the harvest time that's coming up this summer and fall. And we mentioned that Backwoods Home is a sponsor. They are indeed. They put an ad for us in their magazine. They do not pay us any money. So it's not like they said, hey, here's a million dollars. Why don't you talk mm-hmm. great about our terrible magazine? I don't think that they, did not happen. I don't think they know we're even recording yeah, this. Yeah, they don't know. <laughs> They're going to be surprised when their switchboards light up. So, folks, don't forget, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. From Benjamin Franklin, have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.